Okay, we are here. Sweet. <clears throat> you can leave this in. Welcome, everybody, to Sharpen That X, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. We are both guitar players. We have skills that need strengthening, and we are also dedicated to doing that. John Gillen in Colorado, how are you? I am doing well, doing well. It's bright and sunny in uh, Mr. Murphy. In Galway, yeah, no, I can only presume you're back from your your hideaway and your recording session. So yes, from very from very productive, very 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 productive. Uh, got some got some cheeky riffs, you know, written and stuff. And I just got my my uh, tetanus and hepatitis A shots for when I go to Vietnam this morning. So I'm feeling a little bit woozy, but we, you know. Judy calls. Just let's, to clarify, you're not going to Vietnam this uh, this morning. No, no, I, I'm not. I am uh, going to Vietnam in a few weeks, but I need to get my inoculations today because it's full of dogs and children and disease-carrying <laughs> monkeys. And that's not the point. Guitars. So, John, <laughs> you may have my lick of the week in your folder. Have you, uh, oh, I do, have I you, do. Uh, let's... Let's go ahead and grab said lick of the week. Are we ready? Let's lick it. Figuratively. Oh, yes. So good. So good. I'm totally blanking on it. And you're going to say it, and I'm just going to be filled with shame and self-loathing. So, okay, so who is it not? Who is it not? It is not Mountain and Leslie it's not, it's, Okay, we, we, could, we could spend hours doing that. No, it is uh, Yellow Leadbetter by Pearl Jam. Oh, yes. And the ultimate Hendrix ripoff song. Yeah. That's not a Stevie Ray Vaughan song. <laughs> right, right. I, I love that riff, man. I have a friend who he just worships that. He's like, you know, I just want, if I learned guitar, I just want to learn to play that riff. Like, it's just, it's gorgeous. And it, it, I, don't know, I think that Pearl Jam, of all the grunge bands, like, they, they could really play. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, well, I, I would say Soundgarden was really good as well. Um, because I think your your man there, Tim Tail. Yeah, he was essentially uh, a clone of Jimmy Page, essentially very heavily influenced by Jimmy Page. But I think he was he was a monster guitar player. Really, I don't know what he's doing yeah, these man. days. I'd love I, to I do. I'd love to do a grunge episode, maybe down the line. Mm. Like talking about some. Yeah, I think that's a great idea because there's so many so many more obscure ones, and even bands like Dinosaur Junior. You know, that kind of. Oh man. Yeah, Cream Askus is fantastic insane gets, like just yeah, tone tone for days way less credit than he deserves there's another nice overlooked story. guitar player for you usually put him on the list <laughs> <laughs> moving swiftly on to pedal talk so john a few weeks ago we talked about boss pedals and because you know we've all owned a boss pedal at one period or another but this week we're going to be doing something a bit different. Now I have never owned, let alone played, an uh, electro harmonics pedal. This really you? surprises me. That totally surprises me. Um, I think the f my first experience was with a big muff, 
which is yeah. just a giant pedal. I don't know that it needs to be that big, but well, it is what it is. Of, they've toned it down. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they, so, uh, yeah, yes, they, we are talking about electroharmonics pedals. So, what uh, when you think of electroharmonics pedals, what do you think of? Um, the first thing that probably comes to mind is the Big Muff, honestly. How do you find it as an overdrive? I, it's a fuzz it's, pedal more, I suppose. Yeah, it's, well, it's supposed to be a little bit of both, right? But it's, it's a little bit fuzzier than I like. But it has a really distinctive sound. And so I get why people like using it. In addition to that, I usually tend to think of their synth, uh, synthesizer pedals. And most particularly the, the POG, the polyoctave generator pedals. Just Have you because played one of those? I have, and I, I've got several friends that use Pog Minis on their board. I think the guys from And So I Watch You have at least one of them. I think they have the yeah. Mini on the board. Uh, so, yeah, the, I, I think of also the Memory Man, of course, which is, that was the pedal the Edge used very early on and became one of the staples for things like Unforgettable Fire and the Joshua Tree albums as well. Yeah, it's huge. He, ta he talks about his first discovery of the Memory Man in uh, that film, uh, It Might Get Loud. Did you ever see that? Yeah, the, uh, yeah, with Jimmy Page and Jack White. Jack White uses uh, the Big Muff as well. Yeah, it's a huge part of his sound. Yeah, the, there's an interesting history, I think, with, with both of those pedals. In fact, the Big Muff and the Memory Man. The Memory Man was the first analog delay pedal to not have any moving parts in it. Huh. So, so like, so compared to, so tell me a bit more about that. Well, why, compared why that to, but before that, it was all tape delays. Like literal tape would run through <laughs> a series uh, of heads. Of you course, can still we, buy we these. They're, they're super posh um, and really expensive, partly because the tape is one of those, it's the weird, thick reel-to-reel -reel type tape on most of them. And it's not a standard cassette tape with it's whatever that is like eight millimeters or something like that that runs through it and then you have a series of different heads and you can adjust the heads it sounds really cool it's great some players will like to crinkle up the tape to even make it sound warped and old and you get some awesome sounds out of it the memory man came along and changed all that because it was the first analog pedal that didn't have any of those moving bits in it and it was just the the standard what uh, what's called the bucket brigade style, <laughs> yeah, style chain. And and for more information on that, you can look it up on YouTube. Go back and listen to our episode on delay pedals. But it kind of changed the way people began to think about delays. The big muff went through an interesting phase as well. Electroharmonics stopped making pedals entirely in the mid '80s or so and okay. just focused on tubes. So they shrunk everything down and the Big Muff became a really sought after pedal. So was the small clone, which was the chorus pedal. And of uh, course- Come as you are sound. Exactly, Kurt Cobain used it a lot. And it was sort of after that, that in the mid nineties, they realized everybody really likes this old stuff we built, let's build it again. One of the things they did with the Big Muff is they farmed out manufacture of it to Sovtech in Russia. And so you had these Big Muff Russian-made pedals that became really sought after over here because they had slightly different circuitry, giving them a, a different sound. 
And a lot of the players in that time period actually preferred the Sovtech ones. And they're still kind of, they're still sought after a little bit though. Boss kind of copied the electronics, but that oh, really? classic, yeah, it's, it's a little bit, it breaks up in, in a different stage and in a different way, a little bit than the traditional Big Muff. So it's kind of an interesting piece of Cold War history type stuff there. I guess that's post-Cold War. But they did do a tour of Russia in 1979 and began to, to open up that market a little bit just by showing the pedals. And this, it was a major thing for a pedal manufacturer to go over to Russia, put on a bunch of concerts, advertise what they were doing. And because it, it was at the height of the Cold War, it's 1979, you know. And yeah, of course. Yeah, before that's just before the whole tear down this wall speech and all that fun stuff. So it's an interesting company because they, they broke a lot of new ground. And one of that was like going over to Russia when Russia was not necessarily the favored place to be. That's like, <laughs> we're all getting, we're getting all political, but no, it is it's interesting. I mean, like as far as histories go on pedals, I mean, it's, it's quite colorful really. Um, yeah. just from, from doing a little bit of research before, uh, the show, I, I found out that their first, I was looking for a boost pedal uh, a few years ago and I was, you know, I, I found this one on adverts. I didn't buy it, but I was going to. It's a, called an LPB1, which yeah. is actually the first pedal electroharmonic ever made. It was made first made back in 1969. And it's like, I was like, oh my God, I came really close to buying like one of those. I mean, of course, now we have better boost pedals, but, you know, as a first pedal go, it's, it was quite interesting. It came right around the same Hendrick's time, you know, when everybody wanted fuzzy pedals. Their Cran pedal is, is their, they call it a full range overdrive, but it is essentially a mid boost pedal and you can use it as a clean boost. And I've heard great things about it. It sounds really good if you check out some of the demos. But right now, one of the things that they're doing a lot of is these synthesizer pedals, essentially. Yeah, they're huge. With all yeah. the different kind of EQ buttons and knobs and levers and yeah, I, I mean like uh, the, the Mel Nine, for example, is essentially a synthesizer or, or a synthesis, <laughs> a simulated synthesizer of that keyboard and the things you can do with it on the guitar or the B Nine, which is supposed to be like a, a Hammond organ, and, <laughs> the, and and then we were just talking about the Super Ego. This thing is insane, the amount of stuff that it can do and the sounds you can get out of it. Did you happen to watch anything on the Super Ego? Yeah, no, I just saw it's, 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 it's basically like, it's, it's basically a, a synth sound. You know, I kind of got <coughs> reminded of some of the, the Andy Summers sort of sounds, you know, from before, um, the, from like, you know, the kind of the early 80s. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it's, it's crazy. I mean, we, we, we should move on shortly, but just looking through their, their users, like their personnel. I mean, when I think of bass fuzz, I think of Flea and I think of Cliff Burton and both of them use the Big Muff. Yeah, absolutely. This, I, is, this is not a bass show, you know, nothing to see here when we're talking about bass. <laughs> right. But it's, you know, it's such a distinctive tone. Right. And we, we, on, our, uh, on our pedal board challenge, we talked about the soul food as well. It's a great Oh, yeah, pedal. huge that's cheap and affordable and that's i think that's one of the things that makes electroharmonics interesting is they do have these pedals like the pog and the super ego that are going to be 
250 you know when you buy the memory man deluxe it's 250 bucks something like that new yeah but at the same time you can get a soul food for whatever that is like 50 quid and you can get something like small clone and all that as well or big muffs are quite cheap as well oh what's what's the other one what's (laughs) what's the oh the the, yeah the holy grail you know it's a great reverb pedal there's the holy stain which is a little bit more uh but the 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 holy grail is a great great pedal for under 100 bucks yeah man it's 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 great it's such an inch i always think of electro harmonics pedals as well they're always so nice to look at I find like, especially just the, they've got such cool design. I, was, yeah. I think they look really slick. Like on a board, they look cool as hell. Yeah, the artwork is fantastic too. So it's not, it's not necessarily pretentious or anything, but the, again, Electro Harmonics is making great stuff. There's so much in their catalog right now. Have a look at their catalog and, and just see, you know, looper pedals. There's noise gates and just, I mean, you name it. The, their their filters, I think, is really where they excel. Their filters and their synth pedals are really different than just about everything else that's out there right now. Yeah, I mean, in the pedal pedal brand, they're kind of like you know the weird uncle, you know, right. all this stuff going on that you have no idea about. But then when you when you start asking some questions, one gets all of that. It's kind yeah. of it's very surprising. Uh, my weird uncle, anyway. <laughs> I think everybody's so, got one somewhere. Yeah, I think so. I and mean, if you don't, it's you. Um, <laughs> you are the weird uncle. You are the weird uncle. Uh, title of the episode. Uh, <laughs> moving on. So our our main topic. I think we spoke about. So we're going to talk a bit about timing and improving your timing. And if you think that you don't need to improve your timing, you are wrong. Uh, <laughs> right. It's 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 a very common problem, and it's something that you don't discover is a problem until you hear yourself playing guitar and that is the yeah that is just the absolute truth and but you have to you have to force yourself to do it or record with with just a click track and then try to put drums over that click track and then you'll find out how bad you actually are yeah as a as a teacher do you come across this as a as a problem a lot oh yeah all the time all the time Uh, i mean it's it's a it's a problem with students. It's a problem with players. You know, it's, it's a really common thing. And in fact, the thing is, is this is so important. We actually bumped what we were planning on doing for this episode to another episode. So stay tuned yeah. for that. But what, what we decided was essentially, this is really important. And this was a good topic. You brought up last week at the end of the episode, this Bumblefoot video. And we'll link yeah. it in the show notes because... It's absolutely fantastic. And he hits some very key points. And it sort of dovetails with what we were talking about with Jens Larson a couple of weeks ago and how, how important timing is and, and that backing tracks can kind of fool you into a false sense of security when it comes to your own timing. It's, it's, a, really, it's, it's a real problem. I mean, it's... Because it's such an easy way out, and everybody loves playing along with backing tracks. But it's 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 not it's you're 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 not helping the problem. Yeah, uh, that, even, that Bumblefoot video is just basically all about playing as slow as you can, and yeah. hearing, hearing like being not ahead of the beat. Right. He he tells a story which I could totally relate to because it happened to me in almost exactly the same manner. I had kind of learned to shred a little bit and I went to a teacher 
who's actually a shred guitar player. His, uh, his name is Dave Beagle. I'll go ahead and throw him, you know, uh, throw his name out there. But he's fantastic guy, fantastic player. He was pretty well known in the early to mid 80s as like a shred guitarist. And he lives in Colorado. And so I started taking lessons with him. And the first thing I did when I walked in there, I was like, oh, yeah, man, I'm going to learn how to just like rip it up on guitar. And he's like, okay, so, you know, here's a backing track, play. And, and I was like, okay, yeah, woo, shred, tapping. I'll, I'll throw everything out there and watch him be impressed. And he was like, okay. And he put the metronome on the music stand. And he turned it to 40 beats per minute because that's about as slow as most of those yeah. analog metronomes go. And he mm -hmm. was like, play a chromatic scale with that. And I just, I, I failed. I failed miserably at it. Like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't stay. I, I was always ahead of the beat. And then once I realized I was ahead of the beat, I was always like way behind the beat. And I couldn't, I couldn't find the beat at 40 beats per minute. And it was just humiliating and embarrassing. Unfortunately, I didn't get all the way through the scale. I got through about three strings and he was like, okay, here's the deal. And he broke it down <laughs> for me. Uh, it, very similar to to the story that Bumblefoot relates, and it it really resonated with me. And it's something I usually don't make it quite as humiliating <laughs> with my students, um, but they probably feel the same way when I tell them, like, whatever you're playing, play it as slow as you possibly can. Play quarter notes, or think of it as whole notes, even. And Bumblefoot kind of relates that when you're playing at 40 beats per minute because it's so slow, but that it changed the way I thought about not just how to play or not just my timing, whether that's rhythm playing or lead playing or anything else, but it also changed my note articulation because at that speed, when you're playing that slow, you realize how badly you're fingering things. Yeah. 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 It's and, and so if focuses you focus in on that, exactly. So if you focus more on finger placement making sure you're a little bit closer to the fret wire, making sure that that pressure remains consistent for the entire length of the note. I had another teacher who said, just because you've played the note doesn't mean it's over. <laughs> and there's such a tendency for players, especially when you're starting out to make all the notes staccato. It's like, boop, I played it. I played it. Boop, 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 boop. But you want to let that note ring. And, and so when you're playing at slower BPM, 60 and lower, you know, you have to hold that note for a lot longer than you think you do before you go to the next one. And then it makes you think about your right hand articulation on top of it. You have so much time to think about these things when the metronome is at 40 beats per minute. It's just painful. So I, I don't know. That was the first thing that I noticed in the video. And, and one of the big experiences I had with timing and a way to improve my timing and if i mean if it works for bumblefoot like yeah should work for you too dear that listener. guy is a freak uh, i mean so what, what about you one of the things i noticed or i have noticed is some of the best the guitarists with the best timing and the best rhythm started out as drummers and now yourself you started as a drummer in my mind you're one of you've got a great sense of rhythm and i've i've seen you perform with a number of bands and I think that adds a tremendous amount to your lead playing as well as your rhythm playing. Uh, I, I thank, th th thank, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose the two do overlap, but I, I've told the story a few times where like, I started out playing drums when I was about 
13, 14. And then I started, was in a few bands. And then we, I went in to record for the first time to a click. And, you know, arrogance got the best of me. <laughs> and I asked the producer if his metronome was broken because <laughs> I was so physically wrong, like con- constantly wrong. Um, so that was a big thing playing to a click like if you if you don't it's one of the big things and Chris Dupa it's the first tip that he says like play with the metronome it's just so good it makes everything so much easier trust me down the line if you're ever in the studio you're playing live like or playing something for the first time it's make things like you can just lock in yeah you know it's such a such a big thing uh, I, I or just a really good drummer <laughs> but you know those are those are few and few and far between um, so, yeah, I think it's a big thing. It, I, being a drummer really helps me think about timing, and I just as opposed to like, just as opposed to, I don't know, just being able to pick out, being able to, I don't know, how, how do I explain it? Matching my notes to what the bass drum or the snare drum is doing, and you know, kind of just taking that, right. being right. able to, uh, like, you take a lot of the. One of my favorite drummers is Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I'd always take, he'd always be locking in with the slap bass, so there, there's, and then the guitar would always do something really, really, I suppose, it, colorful on top of it, because it is that rooting. But yeah, I found the drum, like the drums is great for not only helping with my, my timing and how I think about rhythms, but also uh, when I'm playing with a drummer who's playing my songs and doesn't really know what to do, I'm always able to like explain, okay, this is what I want under the guitar. Uh, and be quite direct. I think it's, it's it's a really good thing to have. But yeah, I mean, there's one thing that's I've noticed as well is is like for jamming, there are not just backing tracks. You can find like drum videos on YouTube that are just a drummer drumming at like 120 BPM. It's kind of in, it's just a, you know no backing music, just live drums, and it's it's really good. I find it's much more interesting than a metronome because you can really kind of work with a beat as opposed to a, a boop boop boop, which is you know right. a good way. For- <laughs> Right. I think um, Jens talks about that as well. Jens Larson, when in, in the video that we mentioned about friend playing, of the show. yeah, friend of the show. Thanks, Jens, about playing with those backing tracks because he admits to using drummers and backing tracks, but there's something so isolating about a metronome. And this is why I definitely recommend it to students because there's no, there's no hiding. It exposes <laughs> all your weaknesses and you can kind of hide even when there's a, a bit of a drummer. And that's one of the things he mentions. So he doesn't say never play with a backing track, but he does sort of emphasize the importance of playing with a metronome. And for my students, I typically recommend, Hey, if you're doing exercises, play them with a metronome. So you learn to hear those subdivisions. If you're in a band, sit down with your drummer and be like, Hey, how do you hear and or count subdivisions when you're doing all this stuff? Because as a guitar player, you don't have to think about all your limbs hitting different beats at a different time, which is why, again, like for for my part, I think being aware of that or at least knowing how to think in terms of a grid. A lot of the drummers I, I talk to think in terms of a grid. Yeah. And where beats fall based on usually like 16th notes is usually how they think in terms of subdivisions. So... I think it's super important to use the metronome to isolate yourself and figure out where am I and be ruthless with it. And then as you get a feel for it, then add in a backing track, whether that's a drummer or 
a whole band sort of scenario. Cause those are important to play with as well, because then you get a feel for where chord progressions are and whether or not you're, you're hitting the notes that you need to hit in time and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's, it's, it's the thing as well. Like if you learned guitar, if you started learning guitar through crappy internet tabs as well, <laughs> those have no, those have no rhythmic patterns. They're just numbers. Right. There are no, there's no like, you know, eighth notes or, you know, triplets or anything. It's just there, you know, it's yeah. just, you know, 12, you know, 12, 15, 17, you know, there's no rhythmic <laughs> subdivisions. Which the internet's so, yeah. great. I mean, there's loads and loads of things that you can use. And I use a lot of, you know, the ultimate guitar tabs with students, but a lot of times I have to write in the rhythms and then we have to talk about how to play it because it's not always intuitive when you listen to it. And particularly if you can't play it at speed, then it's really hard to pick up exactly what's going on. So hugely. Yeah. So friends, that's, I, I think that's a good, good point to finish because you've got to go in like 10 minutes. So we should probably keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah. Friends, metronomes, get one. They're not expensive. No, you, free apps on your phone. There's <laughs> really no excuse why you shouldn't have a metronome at this point. Absolutely. Uh, we sound like your mother at this stage, but you know, <laughs> wear your coats yeah. and your mittens too. <laughs> but ma yeah <laughs> right. so fred so john what have you been working on have you been you, you said the other me to me the other day that you're back to uh back to kind of flying form with you know back to real life post thesis yeah well I, I wouldn't necessarily go so far as to say flying form but uh i'm feeling a bit more myself and good your eye is cleared up yay that helps too not being concussed so my, my practice is kind of, it's, it's getting back to normal. I've mentioned that over the past couple of weeks. Currently, partly because I had someone who asked about it, but I'm, I'm working on Steve Vai. There's, where's our Steve Vai siren? Like, we need that. <laughs> it's just a dive bomb. Not <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it has to be on a really pointy, colorful Ibanez guitar. That's, that's, otherwise, it's pointless. Oh, exactly. Yeah, essentially, I'm working on this Steve Vai song, Die to Live, from his album, Alien Love Secrets. Of course, it's named that. But anyway, it's a fantastic song. It's a great song for just working on phrasing, because a lot of songs in that album in particular have sort of a main theme, and then there's kind of an interjection phrase, and then the main theme comes back in an interjection phrase. So it's a good one to kind of get your fingers under, <laughs> understand some melodic principles. It's a good little tune. That's yeah, not a bad, doing. not a bad guitar player to go to to, to you know to, to learn a thing. Build or two. up your technique <laughs> for sure, for sure, and yourself. So it's you've been mostly working on recording stuff the past week, and now that and you have a gig coming up. So what besides that stuff? Are you working on anything else? Um, apart from that stuff, yeah, well, I'm going into the studio to record all my guitars tomorrow. So actually, once this is finished, I'm going over to my friends to borrow his. Uh, his BB overdrive and his EP booster and all these pedals that I'm going to go into the studio with. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. It should be interesting. Uh, but apart from that, a funny story, just a brief sidebar. Remember last week when I told you that I played the solo to Hotel California in a bar? Yeah. Um, yeah. It turns out that that night in the bar were the parents of the current guitarist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Josh Klinghoffer. What? And apparently, yeah, yeah, they like they took a picture with the barman and everything, and like you know, it's true. We looked it up, and 
yeah, it's mad. Like they, they, but they're like, yeah, we love the band. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was kind of a, a minor victory. Um, apart from that, I, I've, I haven't been, I've been working on for, you know, I've been learning solos individually that I've always wanted to kind of sit down and learn. Right. So my one this week is The Unforgiven by Metallica. It's the only Metallica song, not an A, not an E minor. Right. Uh, but it's a good solo. It's, it's, it it's a good it solo. It is. Have you ever seen that clip from uh, when they're the recording of that album where like Kirk can't get the solo at all and <laughs> Lars is just like poking him? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's so entertaining. Uh, but it's, it's so a great solo cool. because you can break it down into parts and yeah. just learn a part a day, which is, which is nice. So, but apart from that, uh, oh, there is one thing I really want to try is uh, I've been getting into this YouTube guitar player, uh, The Art of Guitar, and he oh. has a, he just put out a 30 minute workout that you do with him. And he said, it's not about, it's not about building, you know, uh, theory or anything. It's just basically a guitar workout that you do along with him, kind of like an exercise video from the early 90s. <laughs> Cool. It's nice 30 minutes. I'm, I'm looking forward to trying it out and I'll let you know how I get on with that next week. Yeah, uh, let's, let's link it in the show notes. Let's Absolutely. Yeah, so send Great. it on and we'll, we'll get it up there for you guys. And what have, uh, what have you been listening to then, Mr. Murphy? Listening to, well, if you find me on Instagram, Dina Murphy, I've been trying this thing where I listen to an album a day and I've been putting them up. But I have two features to write for Pop Matters magazine. One is on this band that are one of the biggest influ- influences for the White Stripes called the Flat Duo Jets. It's like a blues rock, two-piece guitar and drums, garage rock stuff, which is really, really nice. And the other one is this, um, I have a big love of uh, old 70s, kind of like two-tone ska. And I'm interviewing yeah. the lead singer of a band called The Selector. Um, who, uh, so I'm interviewing her. So I basically listened to their new album, which is, it's nice. I mean, Two-Toned Sky, there's a real formula to it, so it's nothing new, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's cool. How about you? What have you been listening to? Uh, this week, I picked up on David Byrne and St. Uh, Annie Clark. St. Vincent? Yes. Uh, they're, I guess, it, it just, I can't remember if she goes by Annie Clark on the album. Annie or- Clark. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 what is it? Young the Giant or some? What's the name of the album? Love the Giants. I fucking love that album. I can't yeah. wait for her new one. So good, or love this Giants. So actually, yeah, it's David Byrne and Saint Vincent, and it has Annie Clark on the front. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Saint Vincent is actually a duo, but Annie Clark is kind of the face of the whole thing. But no, Saint Vincent is basically just her. Uh, she has recording. She basically writes all the music. Um, I'm pretty sure it's just her. Okay. Uh, that that is her thing. But I have seen her twice, and I am you know I'm in love with her. <laughs> have you seen her signature music, man? Yeah, it's a it's a mental guitar, but uh, it's a- apparently designed a little bit more ergonomically for women. And every yeah. every girl that I've talked to that has played it has said, yeah, it, it fits so well. And it's awesome. But it sounds fantastic. I love her tone, particularly on yeah. the stuff. It's just like weird and synthy and fuzzy. And you could always hear a bit of that Talking Heads influence. And then this yeah. album with David Byrne, it's just like, well, of course. Why didn't yeah. this happen sooner? Particularly the, the first track. Who is you, who is oh, brilliant? Oh, oh, it's so sick! If you so go on to uh, Reverb's YouTube channel, you can find 
them recreating St. Vincent's tones and the pedals they use, like how they use them is so cool. Very cool. Really yeah. Cool. I will link you with that. Yeah. So we've, we've got several links to throw at you guys. We've got the Bumblefoot one, the Jens Larsen one. We've got uh, the this, Art of Guitar Workout. The Art of Guitar Workout. And then this uh, reverb video with Annie Clark's pedals. So Absolutely. Very, you guys have a lot of homework. Uh, we expect the best out of our listeners. So, <laughs> that's John, right. who is our interviewee next week? I believe we have, and so I watch you from afar. The last ah! guitar players, super excited. They've got a new album coming out, two tracks out already. The album releases on the 20th. Make sure you buy it as soon as humanly possible. Yes, or go see them on tour. Or both. Yes, <laughs> probably, the two will probably overlap. Yeah, ideally. Uh, though I guess they've got their first three dates are actually before the album comes out. So you're a bit hosed. If you see them on the first three dates, there'll be a it's lot. It's going to be a good night. It's going to be a good night either way. A uh, little bit jealous. They probably won't be coming here until like late spring. So, but we'll Worth see. The wait. Delayed yeah. gratification, John. Absolutely. Absolutely. But great guys. Great interview. It was a lot of fun. Also check out their pedal boards since we've been talking homework and stuff. We'll link that next week. You've got enough links to look at this week. You do. We've got enough links to post. John, I will see you next week. And I will see, well, you know, I will speak to the listeners next week. All right. That sounds like a plan. Absolutely. Stay sharp, my friends.